Hello, you're listening to Shorthand, a BFI Network and Film Hub Southeast podcast. Whether you're actively making a short film or just passively thinking about it, this is a podcast designed to help you on the journey from coming up with a compelling short film idea to editing it into a finished product. Applications for the BFI Network Short Film Fund open on the 14th of March, which is still plenty of time to finesse that script you're working on and find a team that want to make it with you. And we've created a podcast that will provide some pointers on doing exactly that. In this third episode, we're talking to producers about what exactly their job is, how they found out they could do it, and how they discovered people and projects they wanted to work with. So I started producing about maybe six or seven years ago. So I've been I've been working in kind of video production and film production for about 12 years. And I'd always loved film and knew that it was something that I, I wanted to do. So once I graduated from university, uh, I got a production assistant role in a video production company. And it was just about the time of when YouTube and Facebook exploded. So what tended to happen was the kind of work that I was doing um, as a sort of production manager producer was corporate film, brand film, um, because every business in the world suddenly wanted a video on YouTube. So that's kind of how I, I kind of got into sort of producing and, and, and realised, oh, actually, this is a really good role for me and my personality and skill set. That's Mia Zeri, a producer mostly working in branded content who recently produced a BFI Network-funded narrative short called X to X with writer-director Lily Gwynne Thomas and co-producer Precious Mahaga. You're about to hear her talk about her path to producing and how her work in commercials prepared her for a transition to narrative, as well as how she teamed up with Lily, why getting to know each other was key, and what her relationship with co-producer Precious was like. And I worked kind of within corporate and brand film for uh, a good kind of five, six years and been doing sort of short film projects, lifestyle stuff, like a minute or two on the side. But I would say that I kind of always had a hunger to want to work on narrative-led projects. And that was always what excited me the most. And I'd been working sort of in a lot of commercials and building my way up uh, producing in, in that kind of world. But I uh, saw American Honey and it just kind of blew me away so much and, and was like, wow, that is such a good film that I thought, all oh, right, this is, I've got to do it. I've got to do it now. I've got to push to 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 kind of do this, to do narrative film and, and to do what I really love. So that kind of gave me a little bit of a push. And through sort of networking, I uh, got in touch with a creative producer called Julia Berg and did some kind of uh, script development and project development sessions with her. She suggested kind of speaking to the BFI as, as kind of a new filmmaker uh, support network. And I initially went to the BFI with a project of my own, uh, but as a, a little bit of a newbie, what they'd said was kind of go away, do a couple of projects as a producer first, uh, and then come back to us with your own idea, <laughs> which is really great because I gave that support from the beginning. And yeah, and then kind of started my journey from there and then obviously started my first kind of short, proper short film uh, supported by BFI Network, which is X2X. So I definitely say that my experience in, in kind of corporate film, commercials, brand film feeds a lot into what I do within narrative. I always saw them as, as really strictly very different worlds, but actually kind of all of my experience, kind of things that I'd learned, mistakes that I'd made, contacts I had with crew, all fed into me producing my first short film. I think one of the things as well was that within kind of commercials and brand film, often I'm working to really, really tight turnarounds. So we'd, we'd kind of have a project, shoot it, deliver it within two, three weeks. So all of a sudden once 
I've kind of delved into sort of the narrative short film world, it was like, wow, I've got loads of time. <laughs> so, you know, actually me coming from a world that was right everything now to, oh no, we can really spend our time developing it and thinking about it was, was really nice and, and was a really positive experience. So for X to X, which is my BFI funded supported short film, how I came about uh, kind of meeting and starting that relationship with the director, Lily Gwyn Thomas, was my BFI network representative for the Southeast actually introduced us. So Lily had gone to them with a project and said, oh, you know, this is something I'm really excited about and I'd love BFI to support it, but I need a producer. <laughs> and BFI said, ah, oh, well, we have a producer actually that is looking to take on more short films. Why don't the two of you meet? So they introed us, which is, which is lovely. Strangely, actually, Lily and I had connected about a year before that via another networking platform, which is quite strange. So in my head, I sort of think, oh, it was meant to be that we, we would work together. We had an initial phone call chat where Lily explained the project and how long she'd been working on it. Something that I think I really appreciated with, with those kind of early conversations was that Lily took a lot of time to explain what she was looking for in a producer and how important a producer is to her and in this project and I think something that always sticks in my mind is that she said she was looking for her right hand woman and I think that was something that just really stuck with me you know it wasn't somebody just to look after the money and organize everybody you know she was really looking for somebody to help her develop it and it be the best project that it could be so she'd been speaking to myself and she was also introduced to Precious Mahaga who was my co-producer on this or our co-producer and she'd spoken to both of us individually so we had a, a couple of phone calls sharing the scripts uh, sharing the treatment and she actually decided she loved what you know speaking to and really wanted to work with the both of us so she asked both of us to co-produce on it and all of that was kind of done by various phone conversations and and we took the time to kind of really speak to each other but not just send an email saying you know will you be my producer we kind of got to know each other which I think was quite important I really really enjoyed co-producing on this one especially for my first BFI short film and uh, and kind of you know proper narrative short film for that matter it was quite an ambitious project and there were lots of moving parts so with X2X we had one actress playing twins we so we had some BFX we had a set build kind of an ambitious crew <laughs> so it really was fantastic to have that person kind of and and really for Precious and I to, to really feel like a duo, have each other's back, tag team a lot, kind of obviously the, the both of us throughout the process of, of making X2X had other projects and other work on. So it was really fantastic to be able to kind of pass the baton backwards and forwards of, you know, like, don't worry, I've got your back, I can manage this while, you know, you're doing this. And also I think again for, for my first short film, and I suspect for anybody who's embarking on their first short film, having that other person with them to bounce ideas off, to share, to say, look, I'm not going mad, am I? This is ridiculous. Or I have no idea what kind of template the casting director's asking for here. And, and to, to kind of problem solve all of those things together. I think it, it can, obviously it doesn't work with everybody co-producing and, and there are some producers who probably would prefer to, to be the only one. But I think for this, it worked so brilliantly, the two of us together and, and 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 the support that came with it, I really feel had a really positive impact on the project and, and, and essentially made it happen, really. Precious and I were, were quite lucky to embark on this project, having had, you know, a lot of production experience, you know, behind us in, in terms of managing projects, producing projects. I think short film and, and kind of that world specifically 
I'd say we we obviously lent on on BFI a lot for advice and guidance and and they were really fantastic and um connecting us to people that we could have further conversations with you know whether that's kind of lawyers or other producers or but I would say for both of us you know we did reach out to other producers a lot within our network and and I think producer to producer is is it's such a strength I think being a producer can feel a little bit like a, a you're sort of steering the ship on your own and it's down to you to solve everything and it, it can be quite a lot of pressure but I, I I think when producers talk to each other it's it's brilliant and I think that level of support is there because we've all been through the same things so uh, other producers did did sort of support and, and help us lots and, and keep us going. Next up, Mia expands on how she is involved creatively as a producer, whether there's anything about the role that she wasn't expecting, and what her advice for producers looking to apply to the next round of funding would be. As a producer, something that I really enjoyed and enjoyed discovering with working on my first short film was the creative input that is possible as a producer. As almost more like a creative producer, I think something which I I learned was that it really is a role that is kind of 50% creative input and 50% logistics and management. Something that kind of we we did as a trio, the three of us was all share ideas, all share feedback. And, and Lily from the very beginning made it very clear that she valued our opinion, she valued our experience, our perspective. And we all kind of shared a common goal of we want this to be the best project it can be. We want to push the script to be the best script it can be. So I think keeping that, you know, at the forefront of our minds meant, you know, we're actually asking each other, you know, what they prefer in this instance with this character is, it's really valuable. And and I think particularly with, with Precious's experience and, and myself, it's, it was nice for us to, to kind of bring that to the table as well. And Lily really appreciated that. I think something that was, uh, quite interesting sort of embarking on this project was obviously just how much problem solving you have to do but but also the amount of kind of flexibility that is is needed to problem solve I think that short film projects are always ambitious they're always really exciting and and you know there's always many more things kind of more kit more time that everybody wants on these kind of projects but I think uh, what was required of, of all of us was to, to really adapt constantly and I think that staying true to the idea and staying true to the project and to the director's vision whilst managing, you know, a whole host of things which are changing constantly and, and availability and asking favours and things like that. It's a tricky thing to balance. That level of adaptability was, was something that I didn't quite, you know, expect. But I also think that it was also a really fantastic opportunity for us to learn about that world, about the short film world. And it really was a, a proper crash course, you know, for me, certainly in, in a lot of the kind of documents and formalities that, I, you know, I hadn't expected to learn quite so much. So my advice to uh, upcoming producers or producers who are looking to apply for funding and, and embark on their first short film project would be to kind of remember that problem solving is normal and things changing along the way constantly is normal. And I think if you can be adaptable, that's 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 great and i and i think if you can strike a balance between staying excited about the project staying excited about what you're doing with a kind of healthy dose of don't worry we might not be able to do this exactly how we wanted to originally but here's a way we can make it brilliant here's another way we can do it balancing those two i think that's then you know you'll nail anything going forward <laughs>
So for me, producing was never really a moment of a big decision. Although there were times where I thought, right, this is what I want to do. This is the job for me. This is the lifestyle I want to have because we all have a perceived lifestyle of what other people's jobs and lives look like. But in reality, it was more of a, a series of small decisions and small choices that I was making along the way. So from a very young age, I realized that I love cinema and the way it can transport you and the way it would help me see other worlds and understand or potentially try to understand other people. That's Iria Pisania, an independent producer whose work spans shorts, features, live performance and theatre, and who is also a talent executive for Short Circuit, the film talent initiative for Scotland, delivered by Film City Futures in partnership with Glasgow Film and funded by the National Lottery through Screen Scotland and BFI Network. You're about to hear her discuss how she got into producing, how to build confidence as a producer, why knowing everything or pretending to know everything is a disadvantage, and the skills that you might need to do your job well. I went to Kingston University and I studied filmmaking. And then I worked a little bit with others. I directed, I worked, I I tried sound, I was a first AD in short films. So obviously it's a very different case of working in features or TV. And so I tried my hand on a lot of different things. And then producing ended up being the thing that I always did, irrespective of my official role. I found myself mostly line producing, working on the budget, uh, working up a schedule and trying to keep to it. I was very good at, you know, focusing on the thing that that has to be in place so that the film happens. And I also liked working a lot with people. I worked as an editor for a little bit, and I realized that for me, spending most of my working life in a dark room was not very fulfilling. I wanted to work with a lot of others. I ended up producing for friends. I got into a lot of conversations with other creatives about ideas or stories that they were developing. And as we were developing the story, I then started putting on my more practical hat And telling everybody, right, if we want to do X, we need to have Y and we need to do Z. And then all of a sudden I was making spreadsheet and all of a sudden I was contacting friends to come on board. I think that was probably the only conscious decision I ever made of I'm producing this and I am now doing that. I mean, when you're starting out and you don't have any contact and chances are you don't have any experience or actually you do have some experience, you just don't have the title and the credit. But if you think about it, who was born with a credit to their name and the knowledge and experience of making a film, whether it's a short film or a feature film or a TV series or a podcast or whatever it is? No one has. So you are part of a very big group of people who don't quite know where they're going or what they're doing, but they're trying to learn. And I think one thing to always remember is that you're not alone and you can ask for help. So when you're starting out, you already have a network of people. They might not be the influential people that you think you need, but actually you don't need them. What you need is people at your own level that can understand where you're at and what you're trying to do, and they can just come and help. I think in terms of instilling confidence on on yourself, in what you can do, preparation is key for me. Google, as sad as it sounds, is your best friend 
because you can go online and just find templates to everything and find step by step what you need to put together. And at the same time, you know, you can email organizations like the BFI network, like Short Circuit. And for example, at Short Circuit, we do surgeries, one-to-one surgeries. And if you want to call us up and say, look, I, this, I, I'm not asking for funding yet because I've never done anything before and I don't quite know what I'm doing. Could you please, do you have a guide as to what, what do I need to have in place? We're more than happy to have a chat with you and just tell you, here's one, two, three, four, five things you need to have in place. Go and have fun. And if you try to convince everybody that you know everything and you've got everything under control and then you turn up and said, and you rot, you don't, you're going to lose them. But if you bring people on in, from the beginning with a very honest and clear understanding of, I'm learning here, this is what I have, I want us to do this together, this is my first film, and I'm trying to do something, would you please join me? I'm pretty sure people would follow, and people would come and say, yep, I have a day to lend a helping hand. If you're trying to convince the BFI or short circuit, I have to say that some of our best, the best pitches that we've had are from people who acknowledged that they they had gaps in their knowledge and they said, would love your guidance, would love you to help us or find help us find somebody who can help us. But they came prepared. So they knew their story. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew who their team was or who was in their team or who wasn't even in their team. They needed to get on board skills that are needed for somebody to be a producer. I think the first thing is to have an open mind. It's not really like I think soft skills are very much needed for a producer is to have an open mind and the ability to talk to people and hear their point of view and try and, you know, bring everybody together in that way. Equally, I think it's important to remember that producers are allowed to ask for help, as I said before. That's totally fine. It's actually encouraged. Another thing would be the ability to turn your attention to a lot of different things within a very short space of time. Uh, A cast member might be asking you for something, while at the same time, you know, the generator is not working and everybody's going to come to you and they're two completely different asks, but you're going to have to turn your attention to both things. So it's just being able to learn on the go and try and keep a cool head. In every job that I've been on, there have been moments where I thought, oh God, I wish I'd known that, but I don't. It's not so much a surprising thing. It's just part of the life of being a producer where you need to accept that every day you will be learning something and every day there will be a question that you don't quite know how to answer. And that's fine. Producers don't need to be gods and know everything. I have a couple of friends almost in speed dial who I'm thinking, I don't know what that means. And I'll call them up and say, do you know what this means? Or do you know anybody who might know what this means? Iria also shares her perspective on assessing which projects or collaborators are right for you and what she and the Short Circuit team take into consideration when assessing applications. If you're thinking of committing yourself to a project, I think the first thing to think about is, do you do you like the story? Do you understand the story? Do you feel that it's something that you'd like your name to be attached to? Because if you don't, chances are you're not really going to do a very good job because you're just not going to be as, I mean, if you're anything like me anyway, you're not going to be as invested in it. Think about it. It's something that I can believe in. And also, can I work with a person that's written 
and or directing it. Because this is going, these, this person or these people are going to be the people that you're working very, very closely with and that you're going to have to support. Now, if you can't stand the sight of them, probably not the best choice for you, even if the idea is groundbreaking. But if you can't stand the sight of them, you can't work on it. So, so at Short Circuit, if we, when we are commissioning, what we're, what we're looking for in terms of story the more you can tell, the clearer your idea is, the better. In terms of you and the team, we would be looking for people who have done some films before, potentially in a very low budget or no budget type thing, but that they can show that they have a vision. It doesn't have to be the best film that we'll ever see, and we don't really expect that. In terms of the film that you want to make, we would need to know that you have a bit of a vision and you can put that forward both on the page and on, and on screen. That, that's essentially what we're asking for. One of the producers on our current slate, they don't have huge amounts of experience, but the way they have come across and they have pitched themselves and they, they are super driven and they went out and found executive producers that could support them and fill in the gaps. That's, that's brilliant. I think particularly in producers, I think we're looking for, you know, it, it doesn't have to be somebody who's produced loads of short films, but if somebody has worked in events or they have produced, I don't know, theatre or whatever it is, but can have those transferable skills to work on a short, that's great for us. Producing is an all-encompassing, can be a jack-of-all-trades role, and it's a very hard one to understand. I always explain it, and maybe it's not the right analogy, but almost like a football manager that chooses the team players and does the strategy and oversees the whole thing. Or I also try and explain it as if a director, and I this is visual, so I have to try and describe it in words, sees things in a close-up, a producer's five steps backwards seeing the whole thing from beginning to end. Their responsibilities can be anything from financial, raising the funds, to coming up with the idea, to finding the idea, to then finding the right writer, the right director, and seeing the film all the way through to festival strategy, marketing strategy, and getting it in front of the audience. That's Sophie Reynolds an independent producer and one third of the founding members of Producers Roundtable, a collective advocating for a fairer and more accessible producing infrastructure in the UK film industry. Sophie is joined by fellow founding members and producers Helen Simmons, whose voice you'll hear next, followed by Lauren Dunn, who are here to talk about what producing is, what your responsibilities as a producer are, and what you have to manage, negotiate, think about and facilitate you don't realize until you're doing it are all the other little random jobs that you end up taking like therapist and diplomat and you know I, there's a lot of emotional work that goes into producing that I think we don't talk about as much but is like really really integral day to day so being able to deal with lots of people and have those relationships and and manage problems and personalities and all of that is like quite a big chunk of what we do alongside the creative and practical and business. Being a producer is about vision and it's about being able to identify an, an incredible idea or, or a brilliant story really early on in its kind of in like its development and then take that and make it the best version of what it can be and bring in all the right people around that to kind of facilitate 
making it the best version of what it can be. So it's being involved from really, really, really early on, right the way through the whole life cycle of the film to the other end of thinking about, well, who's actually going to watch this film? And thinking about that at the beginning. So you kind of have a real, like Sophie said, having a real kind of perspective on on everything you're doing. And I think the, the key thing that like took me a really long time to understand about producing is, is about finding your own voice as a producer. And quite often we think of producers as facilitating other creative people. But I think it's really important to decide and identify what your voice is as a producer. What the stories that you want to tell. You've got to be a detective for stories. You've got to be looking everywhere and stories that resonate with you because that's the most important it's such a huge investment to be a producer you pour so much time and energy into it that it has to be a story that you really believe in the the kind of the common misconception is like not understanding that it's about you having your own creative vision for the films that you want to make and that is what makes a fantastic producer I often liken film producers to music producers we have a very good understanding that like artists go to music producers for their particular sound and we can hear what music producers sound like in in kind of records but I think film producers are the same and actually if you look at a film producer's back catalogue you can see all the same sound if you like within that. One of the elements of the BFI Short Film Fund application is demonstrating a creative track record. Helen, Lauren and Sophie discuss their own paths to producing and continue Iria's point about transferable skills and why you don't have to have produced lots of short films to be able to do it. There's lots of different skills and ways to be creative within it. So you could have done all sorts of things. I mean, when I was a student, I did. I ran a photography society. I ran a film festival in my final year. Anything that's just interesting and demonstrates you seeing a project through from start to finish, be that like a blog or a website or a group that you've set up. A lot of producing is perseverance. So if you can do that in something creative or even not creative, but, you know, just demonstrate that you've got the ability to kind of lead people and lead something through from start to finish. I think that's always really good. I would just add to that. that I think that's a really key thing is like as a producer, you need to be somebody who can make things happen. So it's about thinking about what, do you have that you can demonstrate other things that you've done the way you've really made things happen whether that's putting on an event or an exhibition or organizing something that's great to see but I think also it's about being able to identify yourself as a, as a tastemaker so how can you show that you've got great taste and you really know what good ideas look like something I did when I was starting out uh, I went to art school and there was a kind of a bunch of people there that I thought were really fantastic and I kind of set up a collective that was just all of the people that I thought were really fantastically talented all under kind of one name on a, on a, on a website. And then we kind of had, you know, a social media presence and it was just me basically talking about what everybody within the collective was doing, but that was really, really useful later on for me to demonstrate, okay, look, all these people have gone on to do fantastic things and I was able to pick them out really early on. I also think the word creative can be very alienating and actually it's quite a privilege to, I mean, it took me ages to realise I could do a job that was creative. I think I probably realised that when I was like 24 or something because no one around me did that. So I think don't get scared about the word creative and actually see what all of those things can mean to accumulate. But even just an interest, I think, for a short film, if you're interested in films and you've done a bit of like organizing or pulling together. I mean, I worked in admin for ages. Like that for me would be enough to give you a chance of making a short film. And it is a thing that you learn on the go. And I think people, when they get confident as producers, they start calling themselves creative producers. 
but it does take a while to realise your own creative skills. In the next segment, Lauren, Sophie and Helen talk about how they found like-minded people to start making work with, what you can do to put yourself out there, and as corny as it sounds, why friendship should come first. I have quite a creative background, so like I, I was very involved in theatre and I met a, a bunch of brilliant people there and we were making films together and then I went to art school and that was a really amazing testing ground as well and a way to find like-minded people. We all had a kind of creative training in like, you know, coming up with ideas. Um, so that was a real privilege. But I think that there are other ways that you can replicate that. There are loads of organisations. There are loads of kind of events and things you can go to, like, for example, like the film hubs are fantastic at offering opportunities to kind of meet other filmmakers, chat to them and find people that you're kind of on a level with. I think also film festivals. I know it's been a bit of a weird time over the last couple of years but some of the most incredible relationships I've made have come from you know via film festivals it's about making friends as much as anything BFI Flair was like a massive kind of experience the first time I went there I'd, I'd, ne I'd never really met kind of really cool queer like creative people before and that was just like wow this is amazing and similarly like Edinburgh Film Festival I think is such a fun and friendly film festival that I've met loads of like Sophie I've met loads of great people there that I still have like great relationships with so I think it's about putting yourself out there and doing a little bit of research about where kind of like-minded people might might be kind of hanging out and then just going and try, making friends basically. Me and Helen met on this is our favorite story but we met on the floor of an Avengers film where Helen was like cleaning with an industrial cleaner a shopping mall floor and I was sitting in a lift just pressing up and down for the crew we were location marshals and you know location marshals are so far from the action but I did meet one of my best film friends doing that so I am a real big advocate for getting as much film and tv experience as you possibly can even if you know you don't want to be crew ultimately I think you meet people like run other runners your peers your peers like growing up with your peers is super important so meeting people at a similar sort of level like entry level I think is really important and also you just get to see how it all works anything that allows you to understand each and every aspect including the location marshalling of it I think is really useful and you will inevitably meet really good contacts but then also I think you have to kind of look, just look around you and not see people as like the role that they're in right now. Not be like snobby, sort of just be very open minded about what people want to be, even if right now they're like sitting in the lift or whatever. <laughs> like we all we all do those jobs and we all start in those places, but that doesn't mean that we don't like have the ambition to do more. So like keep your eyes open. The other place is Twitter. The industry is on Twitter. And I think just be part of the conversation. Watch short films, find filmmakers you like, find them on Twitter, follow them, and just be part of the conversation. It's a fantastic place where it's actually totally fine to have really uh, casual conversations with other people in the industry. And everybody is very kind of welcoming and chatty. And I think that's a great place to just get to know the kind of like the wider network. And certainly for someone like me, you know, I'm based in Manchester uh, and, it, and it was very daunting when I was starting out to how do I infiltrate this kind of very London centric industry that actually social media can really be your friend in, in that sense, I think. Finally, 
Sophie kicks off by discussing why she'd wish she'd set up her own company sooner, something we'll be delving into more in next week's episode, and then Helen and Lauren bust some myths about producing and why financial limitations can be creatively freeing. The trio also offer their advice for aspiring producers and why you should go for it. I didn't know when I was producing shorts initially that I had to set up my own company. And so I was joining other people's short films as producer, but just listed as a named producer, not with my company. And I think I made about three short films until I realised I had to set up my own company. So set up your own company, super easy to do, company's house, limited company. It needs to be a limited if you're getting um, like funding, public funding. The other thing that I don't think is spoken about is I think it's very easy to be like a total martyr as a producer as you're starting out. But actually, you can't do everything. And I would line produce initially my early short films. And it was I was so much of a better producer when I was able to outsource that and get a line producer. So if you've got the money and even if you don't really try and get the support you need, you're not being like a diva. You're just trying to do your job properly and you won't be able to be there as like support for the director if you're outside driving a van or if there's multiple producers then you can do that but if it's just you by yourself you can't be everywhere at all times so just think about what you're going to be doing on set and how you're going to be able to do your job. I think when I was starting I don't know what it's like now with shorts there was sort of an idea of like bigger is better and I think what I've learned in shorts anyway is that that's not the case and like often simplicity and brevity is is what works that's I think sometimes that's comforting when you're starting out because people are like oh if I don't get that 15 grand or whatever from this fund then I can't make anything and I'm stuck but actually often the shorts that can do well do don't cost that much at all and if you use those kind of creative constraints or financial constraints to, to be creative you might come up with something that is really good I'd say quite similar to that. I, you know, before I was, before I got funding, I was working in production. I was working as like a production coordinator. So when I moved into kind of like actually getting some money, I'd always made shorts. When I've got some money to make shorts, I was like, I'm going to do such an exceptional job. I know all the crew. I know how to really squeeze every penny out of a budget. And I feel like you could, I could just manifest the most incredible like move mountains like I feel like you know it's a it's a superpower for greater production you know and a lot of us can do it and I felt like that that was it. it was like getting the incredible camera package deal it was like securing the locations for like basically no money it was like getting the incredible you know HOD like big name it was all of that kind of stuff when actually it's not any of that stuff that stuff is great if you can do it but it's really about what is the story what is the idea and actually that's got nothing to do with budget it's got nothing to do with resource and I think we forget sometimes that short films are about taking risks it's about having fun it's about showing us what you can do it's about bringing a kind of little slice of something really incredible and unusual and brilliant and unique and I think that that is like way better to pour your time into figuring out firstly is it a project that can do that or how can I make it more like that than really stressing about it's only going to be good if I can get the the, you know the best lenses and the biggest kind of like camera deal that's just irrelevant I think when you don't have a lot of money, what you have is loads of freedom and it takes the pressure off because you're like, well, we could do anything and it doesn't really matter in the same way. If you've got like a, you know, you've got £60,000 on your back, that's like a lot of pressure. So sometimes having no money is way better than having loads of money because you, you get way, way more creative freedom. 
trust your gut and also one that I've really learned and I now only do is only work with nice people if you know that person is not nice doesn't matter how talented they are doesn't matter how much smoke has been blown up their ass it is not worth the pain I'm going to use this as an opportunity to big up the job of producing because I think that when you're starting out nobody really it's always about like how exciting it is to direct or write or act or whatever and actually I just think producing is really brilliant and it's really really hard which is why maybe people do it less and it's sort of more difficult to like define and there's just so there's so much about it which is difficult but I also think there is like nothing better than being able to build something like a company and build a place where you can just bring all these people and these projects together and and create amazing things and make change in an industry which is very very slow to make change just be excited about what being a producer in the long run could mean to be able to just have that amount of control over your career and your projects and like build a sort of of brand of what kind of thing you want to make I just think that's like there's nothing like it I think firstly don't wait for permission we feel like we need gatekeepers to tell us we're allowed to do something and that's just not true I think you know you're going to hear no more than you're going to hear yes and I think don't let that deter you've got to be your kind of you've got to back yourself and that can be really hard but I think as long as you're backing yourself just use those kind of rejections to fuel the kind of drive to move forward I I can't even tell you I mean like we all will have received so many rejections but it does just kind of make me more hungry to prove everybody wrong and I think let that let that be a fire beneath you really. so don't don't wait for permission you know trust yourself you know if it's good you know if the project is good you know if it's gonna be worth making so don't wait for somebody else to tell you that it's okay to make it be prolific I think as you're starting out in your career it's a, a really fantastic time to take loads of risks take on loads of opportunities, do loads of things, find out who you are as a filmmaker, what you want to do. And there's you've got nothing to lose at that point. So I just feel like go for it. Thank you for listening to Shorthand. Look out for a new episode next week that will focus on budgeting, where to start, what to put in it, and how not to go over it. Thank you to our guests this week, Mia Zeri, Iria Pazania, Helen Simmons, Sophie Reynolds, and Lauren Dunn. Shorthand is a BFI Network and Film Hub Southeast podcast produced by Nicole Davis with support from the BFI Network and ICO team. Special thanks to our editor Graciela Mechico and Epidemic for the music. <laughs>